If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. The Gospel of Luke chapter 10, our text is verses 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. When I read it, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It will be up on the screens. Uh, we do have Bibles, by the way, if you need one at the Welcome Center. We'd love to bless you with one. Again, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Uh, when you get there, just bookmark your Bibles. We will be getting into it uh, this morning. And so today we are beginning a new series called At His Feet. At His Feet. And so before we do anything, if you can, would you stand to your feet? Let's pray. Let's ask God to bless our time in His Word. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you for this uh, just awesome, awesome time of worship that we had this morning. I thank you also, Lord, for the encouragement of brothers and sisters in the Lord sharing testimonies and, and stories of your goodness. Uh, but Lord, I thank you now for your word. We know, Lord, that your word is truth. We know, God, that you send forth your word to accomplish the work and that, uh, Lord, anything that we take in in view of the word and the scriptures is never wasted. Scripture is never wasted. And so, God, this morning, as we share, I pray, God, that, uh, Lord, you would speak through us. Lord, that hearts would be ready to receive. Lord, that we would not be distracted, but that we would focus in on you. And that, Lord, we would hear what you want us to hear. And, Lord, react to, uh, react to however you want us to react, respond to however you want us to respond to the word of God. And so, Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. All right, so the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Amen? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Well, I, listen, I, I don't know about you, but when I think about beautiful things, feet don't act, actually rank very high on my list of beautiful things. In fact, the, the truth is uh, feet are sweaty, stinky, and nasty. In fact, uh, feet have over 250,000 sweat glands. And so no wonder they stink, right? Now listen, there was a, a woman by the name of Madeline Albrecht and, uh, who knew all about stinky feet. And the way she did is that she was actually hired by a lab to, to work for the Dr. Scholl's company. And her job was literally to sniff feet, which she did for 15 years, by the way. And, and listen, during her pungent career, Madeline set the world record for sniffing approximately 5,600 feet. And I say that is nasty, nasty. So listen, our, our feet may not be the sweetest smelling body part, but if the feet of those who share the good news are considered beautiful by God, then how much more beautiful are the feet of Jesus? In fact, Joni Erickson once shared a story about a trip that she took to, with her friends to John Hopkins Medical Center uh, where they saw a very beautiful 25-foot statue of, of Christ in a, a huge ornate lobby. And this, this, this statue was larger than life. And, and the sculptor fashioned Jesus looking down with his arms stretched out as if offering a blessing. 
And simply awestruck by the statue, Joni lowered her gaze and realized just where she was at, at the base of the statue. And then she whispered to her friend, it's good to be at the feet of Jesus. And in fact, amazing things happen at the feet of Jesus, don't they? Uh, we've seen lives touched and lives transformed uh, at his feet. And, and no one knows better than Mary of Bethany, who we read about in the Bible. See, nearly every time uh, her name is mentioned in the scriptures, Mary can be found at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible actually shares three different stories about Mary at the feet of Jesus. And each time it mentions it, there's a, a, amazing things that happened. And, and so this morning, I want to talk about that first time that Mary is found at his feet. And this week, I, I want to look at at his feet, savoring his word. And let's look at that story in our text, Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. Let's go there now. The word of God says, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them and him into her home. And her sister Mary, listen, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing, and, and she came to Jesus and said, Lord, it just doesn't seem fair that, to, to, it just doesn't seem fair that, that, that my sister uh, is, just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. It's, I could almost see this in a, a family. I've come from a family of 13, and there was always that ta tattletelling, you know, and, and just kind of like, that's not fair. They're not doing their fair share. And, and here we see Martha doing this toward Mary. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Say details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Listen, my guess is that most of us here probably identify maybe more with Martha than we do with Mary. Most of us can relate to, to working and getting things done with our hands and, and looking at it and being able to say, I did that or I accomplished that. And, and there are many sermons and, and articles and books that have actually been written about this passage. In fact, one book is titled, Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. Anybody ever hear of that or at least that, that phrase? Some of you have. So really, that's what we all need, isn't it? A heart like Mary's that leads us to the feet of Christ in a super busy world. Is the world busy today? Is the world busy today? I mean, how do we develop a heart like Mary's? How do we get to a place where, where we attain a, a Mary heart in a Martha world? And, and so the first thing I want to tell you this morning in unpacking that is letting you know that having a heart like Mary's requires, number one, a shift in focus. Say focus. A shift in focus. And see, Mary and Martha each had a very distinct, different focus. Admittedly, Martha had a lot on her plate right now. She's as busy as a, a room full of first graders. Busy, busy, busy. And I mean, she's just invited the Savior of the world along with 12 hungry apostles over for dinner. She doesn't have a microwave. 
She doesn't have anything instant to offer them, nor would she want to. Now, not this hostess. She goes all out. See, Martha is the queen of the kitchen and the rest of the house too. The Bible doesn't tell us her last name, but it might as well be Martha Stewart. In fact, she's the Proverbs 31 woman in a nutshell, Israel's answer to Betty Crocker. Martha is going to prepare a banquet fit for a king, for the king of kings, in fact. And so she sends one servant out to slaughter a, a lamb and another one to, out to the market to pick up those delicious and royal-looking pomegranates that, that she saw the other day. And, and now forgetting to stop and smell the roses, literally, Martha has to pick the roses and, and cut the stems at an angle and, and arrange them perfectly in a vase with some baby's breath. And everything has to look perfect. Then maybe, maybe, She'll take a, a snap, a snap a quick picture and upload it to Facebook before moving on to the next chore. No, just kidding. Listen, so much to do and so little time. And, and some of you look like you've been there. You need everything to be perfect. The holidays come. People are coming over. You want everything to be perfect. All of a sudden, you know, even the baseboards are getting cleaned and, and you're getting the cobwebs and you're getting those areas where, you know, they might open that. And so I got to rearrange that and, and make it look really good. Busy, busy, busy. Listen, the Bible actually says that Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Sound familiar to anybody? Do you know somebody who might be that busy? Listen, life can get pretty hectic. Some days my alarm goes off and, and my mind just instantly starts scrolling down the, the day's to-do list and, and Sunday mornings can sometimes be the worst of all. And I mean, the average family has a lot going on. We have laundry to fold. We have dishes to wash. We have kids to care for. We have a car to wash. We have a spouse to love. We have a dog to feed. We have a, a, a church commitments to keep. We have soccer games to attend. We have toddlers to change. We have lunch appointments. We have doctor's appointments. We have dinner appointments. We have hair appointments. And that doesn't even begin to account for the projects, the paperwork, and the priorities at the office or at the shop or at the company. Like, have you ever thought that maybe God is calling you to slow down a little bit and take a deep breath and actually smell the roses. Or maybe Jesus is trying to tell you, like he told David, be still and know that I am God. Truth is, it isn't easy to be still, is it? I mean, it requires us to, to change or to shift our, our focus on purpose uh, deliberately. Uh, and so while Martha was focused on her task, Mary was focused on her Savior. And while Martha was focused on her job, Mary was focused on her Lord. Now, what amazes me is that even after reading this story and knowing the moral of it all, many of us are still tempted to defend and cheer for Martha. Like I said, many of us can relate, and, and so we like her effort, and, and we like her service, and we like her works, and like we like our stuff. And, and yet while Martha was distracted by many things, Mary actually had discovered the one thing that was worthy of all her attention and all of her focus. And, and that brings me to the second shift necessary for us to have a heart like Mary's. 
a shift in fellowship. Say fellowship. So focus and fellowship. See, Martha had opened up her house to Jesus, but it doesn't necessarily mean that she had fully opened up her heart to him. In fact, if you look closely in her eagerness to serve Jesus, she almost missed the opportunity to know Jesus. I need to say that again. In her eagerness to serve Jesus, she almost missed the opportunity to know Jesus. Listen, we need to hear that this morning. See, I'm convinced that Mary was actually helping Martha. We read the story and sometimes we think that Mary was just this lazy little brat sitting in a corner letting her big sister just do everything. I believe Mary was actually helping with all of the preparations until the guests arrived. And so Mary, maybe Mary took their jackets and, and walking sticks and they piled them in, the, in a corner somewhere of Martha's perfectly ordered house. And then after Jesus and the disciples made themselves comfortable in the living room, they complimented Martha on her lovely home and wrapped up all the small talk. And, and then Jesus began to teach. Remember, Jesus speaks like no one else they had ever heard. He, he commands their attention. There, there, there is a joy about him, a magnetism in his words, and as if his words had the, the breath of life to them. Mary is so captivated that she draws even closer. She wrapped her arms around the empty pitcher that she was carrying, just listening to Jesus. See, she knows, she knows that there's more work to be done, but she just can't move. She's captivated. She needs to draw closer to the master. See, I don't know if you know this, but it, it wasn't socially acceptable for a woman to sit in a, a room full of men, but his words were so welcoming, and, and so she gradually moves closer and closer until she finds herself kneeling at the feet of Jesus. She knows, that, again, she knows there's more work to be done, but the Savior is speaking, and she's there savoring every single word, taking it all in. But somewhere in the distance, she hears her sister calling her name. Mary! Mary! Where did you go, Mary? And yet it's drowned out by Christ's words, by his call and, and the comfort that she felt by drawing near. His call captivated her. See, meaningful intimacy and fellowship with God will never come out of the busyness of Martha's kitchen. Meaningful intimacy and fellowship with God will never come out of the busyness of Martha's kitchen. It can only be found at the feet of Jesus which is right where Mary wanted to be. So my question this morning, several actually, is how's your intimacy? How's your intimacy? How's your relationship with God today? Are you busy or are you spending time with your Savior daily? Listen, I'm not asking if you go to church every week. I'm not asking if you volunteer on one of our ministry teams. I'm not asking if you put a check or cash in the offering every week. I'm asking how much time do you spend sitting at the feet of Jesus, savoring his word. 
See, the truth is your time with God, yes, your time with Jesus is important or should be more important than anything else you have to do today or any other day. And so the one thing that matters most is Jesus, knowing him, experiencing intimate fellowship with him. Philippians 3, 7 through 9, the apostle Paul put it this way, I once thought these things, these other things were valuable but now I consider them worthless, trash, dung because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless. Say worthless. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. See, if we want to have a heart like Mary's and experience real intimate fellowship with God, then we have to put the most important thing ahead of other things. And sometimes, listen, sometimes you have to say no to what is good to say yes to what is best. So yes, listen, there will be endless demands pressuring, every, pressuring you at every hour of the day, but sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking in the red letters of your Bible, finding comfort in his presence is the most important thing that you can do with your time. Because nothing is more valuable than fellowship with Jesus. And listen, when you do that, you're going to begin to develop a married-like heart, and you're going to notice, number three, a shift in your feelings. Sometimes we look for the feelings first. And sometimes we are like, well, I don't feel like going to church or I do feel like going to church or sometimes I don't feel like worshiping or I do feel like worshiping and all of these things, the dichotomy of your feelings and emotions. But you've got to th get first things first, get your focus first, get your fellowship first, those priorities in order. And then all of a sudden there will be a shift in your feelings. Let me ask you a question. How do you think Martha felt that day? I mean, it, it's not hard to figure out. She was obviously a little annoyed. She was bent out of shape. She was, she was stressed out over everything that she had to do. And, and clearly she was angry that her little sister Mary wasn't helping out. Jesus even says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Anyone know what it's like to be worried and upset over anything. I mean, and like you, maybe you've got a deadline to meet or a stack of orders to get out, and, and so you get worried and upset. And, or maybe your co coworkers are not, are not pulling their weight around the office, and, and so you get worried and upset. Or, or your kids are acting like a Tasmanian devil hyped up on Mountain Dew early in the morning, and so you get worried and upset. Or, or maybe your mother-in-law is coming over for a visit, and, and so you get worried and upset. Or, or the preacher goes five minutes over the allotted time, and you get worried and upset. It's not so much fun being worried and upset, is it? I mean, you don't want to feel like that. Neither do I. God certainly doesn't want you feeling that way. And see, the reality is worry has become so spiritually acceptable that many of us forget that worry is a sin. And we do it all the time. 
I say we, we, we do it all the time. In fact, for some of us, being worried and upset is a way of life. And so I say, Lord, help us. Take a look over at Mary. Take a look. Imagine with your mind's eye, sitting at his feet, hanging on to Jesus every single word, just taking it all in. Does she look worried or upset? Does she even seem a little bit stressed or bent out of shape? I mean, could it be that Mary's choice to sit at the feet of Jesus came with a soothing, soothing side effect, like a feeling of peace and a feeling of comfort and a sense of being complete? in a very busy world. Listen, I'm convinced that the more time we spend at the feet of Jesus, the less we're going to worry about the little annoyances of life because our focus and our fellowship and our feelings are right. The Bible says in Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So listen, when we fix our thoughts on Christ, we experience peace in his presence. And Mary experienced his peace in the midst of a pressure-filled day. Worship team, would you come? Come, worship team. Listen, Jesus invites all of us to experience that. Because life will always be busy and the things of this world can, can overwhelm us if we don't shift our focus, our fellowship, and our feelings onto him by being at his feet. And listen, in fact, I just read about a lady named Ashley who started having anxiety attacks. Anybody know someone who suffers from anxiety attacks? And listen, when, when the first one hit, she said that she'd never experienced it before, and so her chest tightened up and her breathing became erratic, and she was convinced that she was having a heart attack. Uh, Karen, I didn't know what you were gonna say. I'm not talking about you this morning. She said it was the scariest experience of her life, but then it happened again, and it happened again, and it happened again, and she was having them every single day. And listen, I'm sure it had a lot to do with the constant pressure of work responsibilities and, and trying to raise three kids without losing her mind. But after a while, Ashley started to see it as a wake-up call, a wake-up call from God. See, Ashley lives in a Martha world and um, with a Martha mindset and she felt like God was calling her to kneel at his feet. And in order to cope, Ashley, she, she changed her focus. Whenever she felt that anxiety building up, she would just turn to God in prayer and, and she relied on 1 Peter 5, 7 where it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Say all this morning. One more time, say all. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Listen, in time she said her anxiety attack stopped. Her prayer life flourished. Listen, she she still gets stressed from time to time, but now she knows the importance of being still by simply sitting at the feet of Jesus savoring his word. Again, amazing things happen at the feet of Jesus, don't they? I want to encourage you to spend some time at the feet of Jesus this week just savoring his word. 
get away from all the distractions. There are many. Shift your focus onto Jesus. Shift your fellowship by spending time in his word and shift your feelings by allowing the Holy Spirit's presence and his promises to bring you peace and joy and comfort and remember that it all happens at his feet. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Father, Father, we thank you. We thank you for how everything went this service. We thank you, Lord, for ordaining our time together. We thank you, Lord, that we can even now sense your presence, that as we are reading your word and as we are meditating on your word, that, God, you are doing a work inside of us, that, Lord, you love us too much to leave us the same way we came, but, Lord, that it's your desire to change us, to cause us, oh, God, to move in step from glory to glory experiencing all that you have, that anxiety that we've been holding on to, that fear that we've been holding on to, those things that are keeping us bound, those things that are keeping us in chains. Lord, it is your, your will this morning to set us free. It is your will this morning to cause us, oh God, to sit at your feet. But you won't force us. You won't force us. It's a choice we have to make. And so God, help us. Help us spend a little less time on uh, watching the, the, the tube and, and spend a little less time on social media and make time, God, to sit at your feet. To sit at your feet. Lord, I pray this is a reminder to all of us, God, that it is your desire to walk in fellowship with us and to grow in fellowship with us too. So God, touch every life, touch every family. In Jesus' name, amen.